In this season, an emphasis of awakening, today we want to talk about what it is to be enlightened. Because the truth is, and it's your first blank, but to be awakened is to be enlightened to God's point of view. To be awakened is to be enlightened to God's point of view. Do you believe that if you could see what God sees about your situation, it would change the way you address the circumstances that you're in? Right? If you could see what God sees about your situation, it would change the way you address the circumstances that you're in. And uh, this is really why I feel like in this particular season, and as we enter into this, I'm just going to explain again where we're going so that we all get a good feel for this um, and, and just be praying with me that we'll have wisdom to walk it all out. But we're going to take a, a prolonged season of time. We're going to evaluate the historical context of Scripture, Genesis to Revelation. We're going to get it every week. We're going to get a glimpse of that. And then we're going to go book by book, starting in Genesis, and get a historical context of the book and why each book is so important. And then the main focus of each week is going to be finding Jesus in that book. So we're going to look at the history and context of the Bible, history and context of the book, and then we're going to see Jesus in Genesis. And then the next week, same thing, Jesus in Exodus. All the way through, we're going to keep finding Jesus all through the Bible because I, I just believe the Lord is about to awaken an appetite in every one of us that we are going to desire to press in and read and understand the treasure of His Word that's in our hands. How many of you would agree with me you neglect the treasure of God's Word in your life? Okay, all of us do, and, and we have to work at, at conquering that on an ongoing basis. But I want to just kind of walk you through some of those ideas. The Bible we've been talking about over the past few weeks, starting kind of Easter. But the Bible is more like music than it is like math. And uh, math, you know, you hear an equation and you see how it works and it functions a certain way. But, but music awakens the soul, and the Bible should do the same. It serves a purpose of awakening our lives and something so refreshing when we look at Scripture the way God desires for us to look at Scripture. And then we embrace God's point of view in that process. And I've been referencing this particular phrase a lot, but nothing can stop us when our thinking is right. And nothing can help us when our thinking is wrong. If, uh, you know, if Logan will just get his thinking right, get you know, the thoughts of God, the point of view of God ongoingly uh, in the process of, of the pursuit of his life, then nothing will stop him. He will go on and do great things, and I can't wait to be back there next year and see the progress that he's making, and he will make progress. Will you agree with me for Logan today? In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, we're declaring that we're, we're, you know, God really can do an amazing, amazing work in people's lives if they're willing to respond to that. And I believe our prayers really do make a difference. So as we get God's point of view and understand how important it is that we get our thinking right, next blank, uh, that we've been focusing on, again, just a little bit of recap so that we're all on the same page with this. To memorize the Bible is to memorize the mind of God. The Bible is not some disconnected book. Uh, that, you know, has religious ideology in it. This is the living word. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It, it actually allows us to learn to discern the difference between the spirit and the flesh. And we must learn to discern. The more you're in the word, the more you're able to discern those things. And you'll see even today why that's so vitally important. But we literally release God's kingdom in the earth. That's our assignment. You do understand that we don't just go to church and sing songs, but we gather under an anointing. And our song 
songs actually affect the atmosphere. The atmosphere of my life is affected by our song. The atmosphere of my family, of my marriage, of, my, uh, of, our, of our city, it's affected by the atmosphere. And, and uh, this is such an important analogy for us, but rain... You know, this is a real resembling parallel to our, uh, our expression of God's kingdom in the earth. Rain doesn't begin in the heaven. Rain begins in the earth. Water is on the planet, okay? God created all the water that he's going to create. He's not creating more water unless he does some unusual miracle. And so all the water is on the planet, and then water evaporates, and it starts to collect and gather, and this, this dense gathering of water gets in a certain region and area, and then the downpour comes. But the rain didn't come from heaven. The rain came from earth. And that's an analogy for you and I to understand that God's trying to pour out his spirit and open the gates of heaven. But it actually begins in the earth. And guys, our worship begins to saturate the atmosphere above us. And the blessing of God comes pouring down when we're willing to engage and step in on an entirely new level of releasing God's kingdom. You and I are the gates. Rain doesn't begin in the heaven. Rain begins in the earth. The blessing of God doesn't begin in heaven. It begins in the earth. Jesus said it is finished, and then it began. You and I have to take up our responsibility for the things that God wants to do in the earth now. He's the light of the world. You and I are the light of the world. And our cooperation with him releases his kingdom in the earth. Psalms 24, 7 says, Lift up your head, O ye gates. You and I are the gates. Lift up your head, O ye gates, so the king of glory may come in. So I believe your amen today releases something in the atmosphere. Amen? I believe our hand clap of praise releases something in the atmosphere over our city. Amen? I believe our shout affects the spiritual climate and atmosphere of our lives. And so we, the church, want to rise up and understand that this is not some social gathering. The church is just not another one of those organizations in your life to serve your needs. The church is not supposed to serve your needs. You're supposed to be the church, and together we are supposed to serve the needs of everybody in the world. We love God. We love others. We reach out, and we make a difference. And when we start doing that, there's something profoundly powerful released in the earth. And I don't think that the world has a very good picture of what the church is supposed to be. Largely, I, I perceive that the, the people have the wrong idea about church, and mainly it's because Christians have the wrong idea about themselves. You catch me. Largely, the world has the wrong idea about the church, and mainly it's because people, Christians, have the wrong idea about themselves. The problem in our world is not the abundance of darkness, and there is a lot of darkness. The problem in our world is the absence of light. And I just want to say, men and women of God, wake up. Let's all wake up to the purposes of God. I, I'm not telling you to. I'm asking us to. I, I need to wake. I need to be awakened on a whole other dimension to the purposes of God. And may God give us wisdom as we sort this out a little bit today and embrace this. So uh, I'm going to show you a parallel of something in John 1 and Genesis 1. And again, we're just kind of trying to get the feel for where we're going in book-by-book -book evaluation for all of this. But these are key things for us to understand why that's so important. So John 1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we talked about this word, Word, that translates into the English. And it's the Hebrew, or sorry, the Greek word, Logos. And that word logos really means more than mere word. It's actually entire conversation. It's, it's logos is where we get our, our word logic. 
And so literally, in the beginning was the conversation of God. And when Jesus came, he's the conversation of God, or he's the logic of God embodied to minister to and, and transform our world. This is huge, because the problem in our world is wrong thinking. The problem in our world is logic. The problem in our world is, where, is an idea problem. So God sent his ideas embodied in Christ to address the problems in the world. Obviously, the problems in the world are idea problems, okay? Um, this, is, this is an easy one, okay? This is a pop quiz for you. You see somebody on the side of the road, and you realize that person on the side of the road is asking for money, um, how many of you would agree that person thinks they have a money problem, but they actually don't have a money problem, and if you give them all the money they want, it'll probably only deepen their problem? How many of you would agree that that's true? It'll only empower their problem to a greater level. What they don't have is a money problem. What they have is a mind problem. They need to think differently about their situation, and that begins to change their paradigm in their world. We see that. Take a quick vote. How many believe that's true? I just want to see. We see that about you know somebody that's homeless or whatever the scenario is there. We see that about them, but we don't see it about ourselves. And most of us in the room would say, well, I have a money problem. What I need is more money. What you don't need is more of, of other stuff. What you need is a mind adjustment because all of our problems are idea problems. God reveals this in his word so clearly. And, and Every one of us today, we've got to rethink some of the most fundamental basic things that we've been thinking about our faith and our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever had somebody have the wrong idea about you? Yeah, uh, you know, I, I think we need to be, we need, we need to stop trying to explain ourselves to people that are completely committed to getting us wrong. To, they, they're just completely devoted to misunderstanding us. You know those type of people. Stop trying to explain yourself there. But, but when you are misunderstood, you know, there's a relationship there, and it's just somebody didn't get the whole picture, then you want to make sure you clarify. Uh, my mom, I don't know if she's in here or not, but we were over in the other uh, facility. Oh, hey there, mom. Uh, we were over in the other facility, and she walked in front of me, and um, and I'm just kind of, I'm a little out there sometimes, but, you know, she walked by, and I just kind of whacked her behind. Have you ever whacked your mom's behind before? She probably slapped your face. Wouldn't she? That's why I did it at church, because I knew she wouldn't want to slap me in front of people. And so as she came by, I kind of whacked her behind. And then I realized as she did that, uh, there was a new family standing there. <laughs> Yeah, and so I, I mean, I saw the look on their face. It's like, you're the pastor, you know what I mean? And so, so I turned and I, I started trying to explain. I said, look, I, that's actually my mom. I don't want you to get the wrong idea. And the lady started laughing because she had gotten the wrong idea. Sometimes you just need a little more information to get the complete picture. Uh, maybe you'll remember Ben Cooley who came and he spoke on sex trafficking and, and human trafficking. Great guy, amazing ministry out of England. Has a really funny, uh, not, not just a British accent, a funny British accent. He's the most American British guy uh, our family probably knows. And so he came, he ministered. And so we wanted to take him out and experience some Oklahoma. And so we go out and we go to Pops. Anybody been to Pops before? Like a gazillion soda pop, you know, uh, all the different flavors and everything. And so we take him out on Route 66. And as we walk in, Rob and Tina Holmes are at the front door uh, from the church here. And I said, hey, Rob, Tina, how are you? Good to see you, man. And, uh, and so we were talking to them. And as we go, I realized we we're going over and, and we're going to let him, let Ben pick out his soda. Well, their son, Christopher, who's a junior in high school, part of our Christian school, was uh, getting a, a soda. 
and they have like 11 kinds of root beer. Uh, they have like peanut butter and jelly soda, uh, gorilla snot soda. I know you think I'm kidding, but like there's crazy stuff in there. And so he's, you know, looking through all these different bottles, and Christopher bends way over to get his bottle, and Ben walks up behind him. Of course, Ben has no idea that I know this kid, and this kid has no idea who Ben is. Perfect opportunity. And so I just reach over. I think I might have a problem with, you know, Fanny swatting or something. But I smack his rear, and then I duck down behind Ben. <laughs> so, so two guys who don't know each other have no idea what's going on. Christopher jumps up, and, he, and I'm, I'm kind of watching. And he turns around, and he's just like looking at the guy like. <laughs> and they are. Of course, Ben is like. <laughs> And, and I left it, I mean, I just kind of left it for a long time. It was so awesome, you know. I just kept lingering there. And finally, Ben goes, I didn't do that. <laughs> so I popped out. I said, hey, it was me. Just kidding. I didn't want you to get the wrong idea. You need to have a little more information. Here's the whole point, guys. Most of us have the wrong idea. We need a little more information. A lot of areas of our life, we've got the wrong idea. I actually watched um, this series of commercials by AmeriQuest that demonstrates this beautifully. It's easy to get the wrong idea. This has a fractured fibula. Given well, Saturday, so he can be able to go on tomorrow. Daddy's gonna be so excited. That killed him. <laughs> Paging Dr. Palmer, Dr. Barbara Palmer, dial four. <clears throat> so explain. <laughs> Explaining with the correct information clears up a lot of confusion. Okay, this is a huge point for what we're trying to explain and trying to talk about. If you and I are going to have the right information, you and I are going to have to understand God's Word. You and I are going to have to understand what Scripture says. we got to get the right idea so that our lives are shaped and, and they are developed in the way God desires for them to be developed. So what we're going to do is we're going to evaluate, and I want to just explain something. It's really kind of wild, but... There's a progression of Scripture, and we're going to see this as we study the various books and look through and see each one each week. But God always reveals things in order on purpose. Okay, in other words, his priority of revealing something reveals his purpose behind it. You know, God doesn't do anything haphazardly. He's always doing something very specifically. How many, let's be honest, how many of you have read the Bible and you got to the begets and so-and-so uh, begets, so-and-so begets, so-and-so, and you just kind of go on past the begets. Raise your hand, you beget, scanners you. And so uh, it, the, the Jewish people, they don't do that. When they get to the begets, they take painstaking caution to pay attention to the name progression because the name progression voices a priority in the heart of God. The, as God reveals something first, it always speaks something very intentional. For, for instance, when you get a list of sons that are in the Bible, and uh, Noah beget Ham and, and Spam and you know whoever all they were, and so when you see the progression of the sons in the Bible, then the first son is always going to be, the first son listed is always going to be the oldest, right? The oldest son gets to be listed first. It's on purpose. However, 
There are times you're going to read your Bible. If you know history and you know a little bit of what you're reading, you're actually going to find where the oldest, uh, oldest child is not listed first. And that happens when somebody who's not the oldest is actually a part of the lineage of the Messiah, then that person takes precedent in the listing of the names and the begats. And so God's always doing this stuff on purpose. So, so here's the thing that I want to point out. Always on purpose. He reveals himself progressively on purpose. The first recorded words we have from God. How many of you think those will be important? I mean, he, he, these are the words he spoke first that we see in Scripture. And so if he revealed those first, then we need to evaluate and see why they're so significant. And they are so significant. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, the first recorded from God, let there be light. Say it with me. Let there be light. One more time. Light. Light is sought out by all humanity from birth. In any room... Where there's light, that's where our attraction goes. We're constantly in this pursuit of light. Light is a really obviously central core component to all existence. The first words, let there be light. Now, understand the origin of the word light is the same origin as the word knowledge. We've talked about this over time, but you've seen little cartoon characters and they get a bright idea and a circle comes over their head a little you know a little balloon thing and there's an image in it what's that image a light bulb right yeah a light bulb oh look i've got a light bulb and so a light bulb pops up and so we we you know the knowledge and light it's the same origin if somebody comes to you and they say hey i wanted to talk to you about a situation that's going on and you don't really know much about it you might say something like this well I'm kind of in the dark on that situation. I, I'm, you know, I'm really not aware of what you're talking about, right? Because light and knowledge have the same origin. And guess what? Darkness and ignorance have the same origin. And so if God is the God of light, and he is, then he's the God of information, the God of enlightenment, the God of knowledge, and we need to develop an awareness and a knowledge so that we're not just duped out of everything that God wants for our life when the enemy tries to sift us over into ignorance or darkness or talk us out of something that belongs to us. You and I are supposed to be informed. You and I are supposed to be aware. You and I are supposed to be studied in the Scripture. You and I need to develop a deeper passion and a greater love for the Word of God, and in doing so, something in us will be awakened. Are you ready to be awakened by God? Yeah, we want to be awakened by God. We want to be awakened by God. Here's the thing. And Billy Graham said it best. We love to talk about the sacrifice Jesus made, but we don't talk very much about the sacrifice he expects from us. Who are the gates? We are the gates. Say it with me. We are the gates. Do you want to be awakened by God? Do you want to be on fire for God? Do you want your spirit man to be strong and alive? Yes, you do. Then you've got to get in the Word. You've got to train yourself. You've got to fill your mind with the knowledge of Jesus Christ from His Word. The Bible's not like music, or not like math. It's like music. And it will awaken us if we will allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us in our journey and our pursuit. It's easy to change your mind. You believe it? It's easy to change your mind. All you need is some more information. Last night, Tracy and the girls, we have Alyssa over for the weekend and hanging out. We want to be a good host, so we're going to take them somewhere nice. Go, we're going to go eat. It's sunny out, so we thought, you know, we'll go to the garage. 
Burger. They have outdoor seating in the sun. So we all get in the car, and we start going to Garage Burger. And as we're going, we start having a conversation. Oh, it's Saturday night. And I said, you know what? Garage isn't real big. Maybe we should go to Red Robin. And so we start having a discussion. More information comes into the car. To the car. We're on our way to garage. But now we're having some information, discussion about Red Robin. And then Tracy says, what about Joe's Pizza? You may have been to Joe's Pizza? It's a Christian institution. You ought to go check it out. Really great food. And so, uh, and so we start talking, oh, Joe's Pizza. Yeah, they've got this and they've got that. They've got gluten-free crust. They got, you know, we start talking about Joe's Pizza. And so a little more information. We were on our way to the garage. But we got some more information. How many of you know a little bit of information can change which restaurant you're going to? And we wound up not going to the garage. We wound up going to Joe's Pizza, and it was great. But more information changed our direction. I wanted to say some of you today might be on the way to financial ruin, and a little bit of information can really change everything about your life. Some of you today might be on your way to relational ruin, but a little bit of information can completely change your life. You've heard me say it. There's nothing more painful than two selfish people in a relationship, nothing more beautiful than two servants in love, when you see that little bit of information, it affects the way that we're walking out these relationships together. Listen, God's on your side. He's trying to help us out. We have to process the right information, and it keeps us from going the wrong place. Not that Garage Burger is satanic or anything. So, easy to change your mind. We want to keep moving in the right direction. The Bible actually says in Hosea 4, 6, and it's, and, uh, it's an interesting verse. Pe- my people are destroyed. Why? For lack of knowledge. My people, God's people, are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You can be saved and perish from a lack of knowledge all at the same time. Isn't that crazy? How many of you know Jesus Christ? You've given your life to Jesus. Right, hold your hand up there. If you know Jesus Christ, you've prayed, you've said, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior. It's a wonderful thing, complete eternal transformation in your life. You can be saved and know Jesus and still be perishing, struggling, suffocating, as Christy said, at the bottom of the ocean in so many areas of your life because of poor decisions. And poor decisions many times come from a lack of information. You got the wrong idea about the situation. And I believe the church really does have to break free from the hypnotic trance that we have with the world. The world's dictating so much of our information. It's dictating so much of what what we believe. And it's like we're following the world's mindset and ideology and applying some Jesus to be able to decorate our life that looks a lot like everybody else in the whole wide world. And we need to break free from that. And I'm going to take you on a little bit of a journey here. This might be a little bit of a complicated journey. But I felt that I needed to just insert this. Because we would mostly agree easily with what I just said. But I just want to point out something that I think is really a vital component for us as Christians. Again, the world has the wrong idea about the church because Christians have the wrong idea about themselves. Religious reaction to the world's way of thinking you understand. We understand the world's way of thinking, and the church needs to break that hypnotic trance. But a religious reaction can give the wrong idea as well. A religious reaction causes us to move into such an extreme viewpoint that we're no longer even realistic. 
in a lot of ways. How am I doing? There's one thing about Jesus. He's very realistic. Lost people loved him. Lost people identified with him. He wasn't like all these uptight religious Pharisees around him. It was like they, they recognized, man, this, this dude gets it. He understands passion. He understands some, I mean, I, I think that you and I as Christians, many times we react and, and, and then we start painting the wrong picture. Pastor Chris probably isn't going to get up in youth and, and talk to the youth about how awesome sex is. He's probably not going to get up and, and give them the 101 about the awesome, but rather he'll get up and say, let's not have sex before marriage. How many of you appreciate that message, right? And, and, but the problem is, guys, that if we don't teach our kids to actually understand the gift that that entity is to the proper context of marriage, then we're leaving them in the potential of pursuing something that passionately feels so right, how can it be wrong? You get me? The religious reaction to these things can sometimes create a lot of problems. And I, when I first started ministry, I was doing these youth events and youth uh, meetings and rallies and so on. And I, and I was actually saying, and just stay with me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring a little clarity here. Uh, but as I was speaking to all these youth, I would get up and say, youth ain't fun. Serving God's fun. And then I read this verse. Hebrews eleven twenty five, and let me just say, serving God is fun. I'm not questioning that. But we need to be careful about our religious reactions to the issues of the world. Because I read this, and it says, Hebrews eleven twenty five. Moses chose to be mistreated rather than to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. Sin's not boring. Sin's thrilling. Sin's pleasurable for a season. And probably part of the danger of sin is that it feels really good to destroy yourself when you get on that track. You with me today? You're looking at me awfully funny right now. It's like I've never heard anybody talk about the joy of sin before. Big problem with sin is it's really awesome feeling up front. Have you ever eaten something you shouldn't? You ate something you shouldn't, and, and then you like you knew I shouldn't eat that. Anybody been to the fair? <laughs> Deep fried Twinkies. What? Are you kidding? I mean, you already get like the worst thing you can imagine: Twinkie, and then bread it and deep fry it. Deep fried Twinkies? No way! I can't have that. Give me one. <laughs> Krispy Kreme. Donut burgers with cheese, huh? That's for real. Like two Krispy Kreme donuts with a meat patty and cheese, and they're serving it up. At the, are you kidding? No way. Give me one. And you're just like, you taste that thing, and it's like, oh, wow, that's crazy. That's amazing. You like, maybe you like it. I didn't like it. But maybe the deep fried Twinkie, I just tell you, not that I've ever tried these things, Tracy, by the way. A friend told me the deep-fried Twinkies were amazing. It was a close one. And then after you eat it, how do you feel? Because, like, before you eat it, your blood's... 
boom. And after you just like sludge pumping through your veins. It's like, oh God, why did I eat it? Tasted so good, but oh, it wasn't worth it. That's sin. We we got the wrong idea. And we need to let the Bible describe and define how we're going to choose to believe so that we get the right idea. Pig phrase for you today. Next blank. Tweet worthy. Instagram worthy. Post it anywhere. Just because you choose your master doesn't mean you're not a slave. Just because you choose your master doesn't mean you're not a slave. Take it a step further. Just because you enjoy your master doesn't mean it's not a slave. And ultimately, let me just say, sin produces death. You, know, you have no idea what you're exchanging. You have no idea what you're giving up. <clears throat> I had um, some guys, we did a white elephant gift. I was much younger because I'm like, in my 20s or so now, and it was before that. And we did a white elephant gift, and, and we were exchanging, and these guys gave me, like, a puzzle. I was thinking, a puzzle. So, yeah, whatever. You know, I took it home, white elephant gift, put it aside. And, and one day I decided, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the puzzle together. I mean, I'd never done a puzzle. I was probably 18 years old. So I pulled the box out, and uh, I put the lid up, and dump all the pieces out. Have you ever done this puzzle before? And dump all the pieces out. And I flip them all right side up. And as I'm looking at the colors on the pieces of the puzzle and evaluating the colors on the lid, I'm realizing those jokers gave me the wrong box. They put the puzzle. There were colors here that are not on the lid. And I thought, I'm, I cannot put the pieces together looking at the wrong lid. I was looking at the wrong picture trying to put the pieces back together. If you and I aren't careful, we look at the world's picture and can't seem to get the pieces of our lives to fit together. We're in this constant place of just feeling frustrated because it's just not looking like it's supposed to look because we're looking the wrong way. We need the right information. Here, here's why this is such a problem. And I know you won't believe me. I'm giving you some you won't believe me statements today. But I'm going I'm to help you with this one really well, okay? You don't want what you want. You don't. How many of you believe that right off the bat? Can I just say you, you don't want what you want? Some people already understand. Let me give you an illustration. We're giving away a free car today. Jana is really rich. She's a teacher. And so we all know teachers make bukus of money. And uh, <clears throat> she's giving away a car today. How many of you want a car? Just raise your hand if you want a car. All right, very good, nice, nice. How many of you just raised your hand? You want a car, but you already have a car. Okay, it's, it's like you don't want what you want because when you get what you want, you don't want what you have. You want something else. It's just the nature of fallen humanity. You want something, but you don't really want it. I mean, I, when I was a kid, I wanted Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Are there any Rock'em Sock'em Robots fans in the house? Yeah. And so you, you know, and little robot guys, and, and when you hit just right, the head pops up a little bit, and it goes, 
Man, I couldn't wait to get my Rock'em Sock'em robots. And I would see the ads on TV. And like these two kids, you know, in like a full-on boxing ring with crowds around. And they're Rock'em Sock'em. They weren't even selling what they were selling. So I wasn't wanting what I was wanting because it was like selling this idea of something that didn't even exist. And when I got my Rock'em Sock'em robots, I wasn't in a big ring. And there weren't a, wasn't a big crowd. In fact, I couldn't even play unless I got a friend over to play. It wasn't very long, and I started taking a bat, whacking my Rock'em Sock'em robots just to knock their head up. When I got what I wanted, I no longer want what I had because, listen, I didn't want the toy. I wanted to have fun. And I didn't want to have fun. I wanted to be happy. And I didn't want to be happy. I wanted joy. You, you see? It's like you don't want what you want. And here's the, here's the thing. Ecclesiastes says God put eternity in our hearts. And temporal things of this world are never going to satisfy you. That's why you never want what you want. If you give yourself to the desires of your flesh, of your of humanity, it might fulfill you briefly. But you don't want what you want. And that's why I love this verse. And we'll, we'll conclude here. Psalms 23. Can you say it with me? I know Haley can. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. That's a powerhouse word now. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You know why? Because all of what we desire is actually discovered in Christ. I, I know it sounds like a stretch, but all that we desire is discovered in Christ. The Lord is my shepherd. When I get that right, I won't be chasing all this passion, relationship after relationship, drug after drug, job after job, pursuit after pursuit, frustrated, unfulfilled, whatever, after frustrating, unfulfilling, whatever. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So let me just ask this question. Who in this place will admit right now I've had the wrong idea about at least one area of my life that I know God wants to deal with me on. Just hold your hand up. Hold them up there. The wrong idea. Lots of hands all over. Just hold them there for a moment. Just as family. The wrong idea about at least one area of my life. And I want to pray for you and ask you to pray. Same thing in the first service. Almost everybody readily sees you know I've got the wrong idea I've been trying to put something together looking at the wrong picture and the pieces just aren't fitting and so let's, let's just understand this begins by first accepting who Jesus is you know it's like I hope you don't get tired of me uh, talking about this because this is the this is the main reason we exist there's never gonna be a time we gather we don't give people an opportunity to give their life to Jesus and I mean, it all starts with Jesus and, and a relationship with Christ. But here, it's kind of like you got to understand the difference between a wedding and a marriage. Because salvation happens in an instance, and then lordship lasts a lifetime. And a wedding, isn't it amazing to have a wedding? And, and you know, like everybody's bravo, bravo. They dress up, and everybody's really nice to each other. Even the bride and groom are nice to each other on their wedding day. And then the marriage begins, right? The rest of your life, you work out the marriage. I don't care what you do to prepare on that wedding day. You're not prepared for what all is going to be required of you to make the marriage work all the years of your life. Hey, hey, listen. You see somebody who's been married 50 years and you think, man, that is awesome. 
They made 50 years. They must have been made for each other. What a gift they were in each other's lives. Perfect soulmates. You have no idea how much they had to scratch and claw and fight for their relationship in various instances, sometimes every hour of every day of every week of every month of every year. Great relationships take work. So we start by giving our life to Christ and understanding that's the reception in a sense, and we all celebrate that. And then we walk that out every day and we become more who he's called us to be. And so I just want to ask you today, if there's anybody here and you say, I need to start that. I, I need to give my life to Christ. I need to start in the right place where I've given my life to Jesus. I accept he's the savior of the world. I know that I need him. If that's you, just slip up your hand. We want to pray for you and with you before we walk out of here. Anybody at all? I just need to give my life to Jesus today. Sometimes we bow our head and close our eyes. Sometimes we just look around because we're family. We just care about each other. There's no right or wrong way to do it. It's just like we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. Anybody here? You say, I just need to give my life to Jesus today. So you've all had the wedding. Right? You've all had the wedding. So how many are ready to deepen the marriage? Let there be an awakening in the church. May there be a deepening in his word. We want to connect with you on that level. We want to help you on that level. Right after this service, in fact, we're having a luncheon that's all about a gifts inventory. It's the progression to, to become a, a meaningful part of the Destiny family, stepping into a role of committed membership. It's called Discovering Destiny. And I would invite you, if you've not been to that, please stay. It's a catered meal. It's not very lengthy, but it's a great way to make a connection. And so you can just stick around and, and uh, see us in the lobby if you'd like to do that. <clears throat> and we'll walk you through and, and we'll be out in 90 minutes on our way. How many are ready to grow deeper in your relationship with Christ? Come on, let's pray this prayer. Let's make a declaration. It's just good to make a declaration. Say this out loud with me. Say, Lord Jesus, say it really boldly right in the face of the enemy Lord Jesus you've given me life you're the savior of the world you're my savior you died but you're alive and your life is in me now drawing me to a greater understanding to a greater revelation of who you are what you desire teach me your ways in Jesus name and I'll celebrate you all the days of my life. Come on, let's give him celebration and praise right now. Thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus.